0: Welcome to Elisha's Space. In this episode, we are honored to have Dr. Funke Afalabi Brown, a highly esteemed sleep medicine physician who is passionate about helping high-achieving, busy women and their children prioritize their sleep for maximum well-being and success. We will be discussing the importance of sleep and how achieving good sleep hygiene can make a significant difference in reaching our fullest potential. So relax and get ready to embark on a journey towards a better night's sleep with Dr. Funke Afolabi Brown and Elisha Space.
1: Welcome audience of Elisha Space. I'm so thankful that you're able to join us The taping of this episode is the very first one in 2024, and I am so excited you're with us today. This is the very first episode, and we are going to be talking on the topic of rest and sleeping better. And I'm sure all of us can all agree that we're just busy and we have all these things going on, but we're not resting. There's a difference between sleeping and resting while you sleep. So I have Dr. Funke Afalabi Brown, who is with us today. She is a triple board certified sleep medicine physician. She has a practice in PA for those of you in the DMV area. So that's not too far for some of you. It's right on the border for some places. And she helps busy professionals and their children find their way to having a productive sleep and really resting within their sleep so that, you know, we can all live our best lives. So, Dr. Brown, I want to thank you for joining us today. It is a privilege to have you here at Elisha Space. Thank you so much for having
2: me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Let's just go ahead and get started. Can you share with us why sleep is so important for wellness and performance in both adults and
2: children? Yeah, that's a great place to start. So when we talk about sleep, many times we've assumed that sleep is just an activity that we do at the end of a busy day, but there's a whole lot more to it. Sleep is healing and restorative. When we even talk about things like our memory, in terms of children and adults as well, sleep helps with memory consolidation. So like you said, we have busy lives and we're running around, but learning new things, learning new content, making new connections, our kids are in school, in order for us to really make the best use of what we're learning, we do need sleep. So that's just the first thing. And then the other role that sleep plays is it actually helps remove substances, toxic waste products from the surface of our brains. And some of these substances have been shown to be associated with Alzheimer's. So this is something that while we're working on all the research around improving memory and things like that, actually sleep is just low-hanging fruit that we definitely need to make sure that we incorporate. And then in terms of our metabolism, that's also another area that we see sleep impacting a lot. Weight loss, hormone regulation, being able to grow appropriately, production of growth hormone and recovery after exercise and fitness and all that all is centered on sleep. And then another big one is our mental health. Sleep has a very tight relationship with our mental health. It's like a a two-way street. So sleep impacts our mood and then mood also can actually impact our sleep. So there's so many areas that sleep affects. And then one other one that I like to talk about is public safety. And we don't talk about Mm -hmm. that as much, but the studies have shown that if you are driving while you're sleepy, it's as dangerous as driving while drunk and i'm sure most of us would not like to share the road with a drunk driver so having a sleepy driver on the road with us is just as dangerous
1: i often think about truck drivers because they work crazy schedules
2: Mm -hmm. yep yeah that's one big one or another group that's actually really becoming a big issue is our teenagers Because a lot of them, they're just trying to figure out how to drive. Their Mm -hmm. frontal lobe is not fully developed, so their decision-making is not at its peak. And many of them have to wake up very early to go to school. And meanwhile, they went to bed late, so they're not getting enough sleep. And so there's a very high risk of car accidents among the teenagers because of sleep issues.
1: I understand I understand and you made some really good points regarding mental health that is is a key subject whether it be around trauma mm-hmm. depression or anxiety and and everything that goes around that I ask you how you're sleeping especially new mothers from postpartum depression yeah because i believe one of the things that feeds the depression is the change in the sleep pattern so talking to them about getting restorative sleep which i think is what we're talking about too as well it's so important
2: yeah yeah absolutely it's and many times the baby is waking up very frequently so they're sleep deprived their bodies are right. going through so many changes so those hormone changes can affect their sleep And then a lot of times there's already some underlying anxiety. You have this brand new human being that you just brought into the world. So that comes with a lot of stress as well. And then all the other obligations. So new moms are a group of of women that really do struggle with sleep issues.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say are some common sleep related challenges you often have seen with high achieving women and their children?
2: Yeah, so I, that, that's really, I would say a few things. One is insomnia tends to mm-hmm. be common because high achieving women like to be in control. So because of that, they want to control sleep. And so their mind is racing. They may feel stressed out. And so they have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. And then another one I would say, again, is sleep deprivation, which is different from insomnia, right? Many people mix that up. So insomnia is when you have difficulties falling asleep in spite of having the opportunity. But sleep deprivation really has to do with you just not having that opportunity. So either because of work, because you have shifts, things like that gets in your way of getting enough sleep. That's a very common one. And then you might have other sleep disorders like restless leg syndrome, which Mm -hmm. is when you have that discomfort in your legs. You might have sleep apnea, especially with women that are snoring or in that middle age zone. That's something that we tend to see as well.
1: And what would you suggest for them as far as those types of challenges, especially around insomnia? Because when I'm working with individuals who are within that area or population, I often talk to them about focusing on what you can control Mm -hmm. and then just trusting that everything else will fall in its place because you've done everything you can do. What are some things that you can suggest for them to get some type of resolution within their sleep with insomnia and some of the other things you just mentioned?
2: Yeah, so of course, with I think two things. So with the sleep deprivation, it's really figuring out what is stealing your sleep. Is it mm-hmm. insufficient time? Is it too much work? Is it lack of boundaries, which a lot of women struggle with? So you have to delve, you have to get to the root cause of it. Is it kids that are not sleeping, in which case we need to get them to sleep. So figure out how to get them to get the sleep they need. Is it an underlying sleep disorder? So if you're snoring and you're waking up frequently, that may be something, that may be a sign that you have sleep apnea. Now, when it comes to the insomnia piece, I think it's really important that we go through this with a very holistic lens. A lot of people will just right away go and grab a sleep aid or some other sleep medication. But the gold standard for treatment of insomnia is what we call cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI.
1: Yes, I um, use cognitive behavioral therapy in most of my
2: yes, sessions yes. when I
1: work with people.
2: Yeah, so that's perfect. Really, this is focused on the insomnia. Thoughts, behaviors, patterns, exactly what you said. Some of those strategies around what we call the cognitive restructuring. So reframing those thoughts in your brain that says, I can't sleep. I'm going to be a wreck tomorrow. It's going to be a disaster. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to end up on the streets, right? All that catastrophizing only makes it harder for us to fall asleep. So really being able to practice acceptance, Practice some reframing. Okay, I'm awake now. Maybe I'm not going to lose my job. What's the likelihood I'll lose my job? So really addressing those thoughts because those racing thoughts become this spiral that right. increases that that sympathetic response, that flight response, where then it's hard for you to calm down. So I think that's really key. Then, of course, the normal stuff, being consistent with your sleep time and wake time. Sometimes we'll do other strategies as part of CBTI, sleep restriction, where we try to consolidate your sleep. We do stimulus control, where we have you stop associating your bed with worry, with fret and, and things like that. So the things that really go into it, But like one of the big ones that you talked about was was that thought, just that thought reframing and being able to let go. The other item that I think we
1: touched on too is racing thoughts because your thoughts are constantly going and you're like, what if, Mm -hmm. oh, did I do this? Did I do that? And it keeps you up because it helps to feed that anxiety piece on that. Mm -hmm. And so what I normally talk with people about is I find there's a distraction Mm. Find ways to rest. Start doing things to slow yourself down. Yeah. You have to give yourself a break from the day and you're getting ready to go to sleep. Yeah. Having some type of a routine mm-hmm. and that typically helps with rest as well.
2: That's a great point. Yeah, because one of the analogies I usually paint is this. Imagine that you are flying, your flight is landing, right? It doesn't just suddenly go from the sky and then just drops right down. It doesn't. Thank goodness. Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's not meant to do that. (laughs) It does, there's a problem. And so expecting to do the same about our sleep is the same. If we've been going, you expect to go to this cruise and slow down, and then you land, and then you ease on the tarmac. And that's the same thing with our sleep. We need to ease into it. And so a routine helps us ease into it because it tells our brain The workday is done. It's now time for bed. And so that's actually something that cues our bodies and our brains to get us ready for bed. So I think routines are very powerful, bedtime routines.
1: I agree. I agree. Now, what would you say to the parent that's having some struggles with getting their kiddos to go to sleep at night? What advice could you give them for sleep training?
2: Great question. So, I think it all depends on what the cause of the sleep issues are. Many times it's around kids either fighting bedtime. That's the most common. (laughs) Either they say they're scared or they need this, that, and the other because they have FOMO. They don't want to miss out. So boundary setting, I think, is really key. Limit setting. So really making sure that, okay, if the child has specific requests that are repetitive, you can in- incorporate that into the routine. If the child is like, I want a sip of water before bed. And so we can say, okay, just before our bedtime routine, you're going to have your sip of water. So really setting the stage around that. I usually would also do so, what do you call a bedtime pass. What's mm-hmm. a bedtime pass? It's it's just a pass that the child holds to. So you can literally cut up a piece of paper and have the child hold onto it. And so they get to trade their pass for a question or a request. And so they may get I love that pass. idea. So if they don't use the passes, guess what? They could trade it in for something they like in the morning. So it all works out. So these children are usually very motivated. I would say preschool and school age kids, they're usually very motivated with that.
1: I would also add to, because we talked about bedtime routine, how important that is at night too, and being consistent with the pattern Mm -hmm. of the bedtime routine with the child. That goes with the boundaries piece you just talked about. That way they can know this is okay, this is happening and this is the expectation around it Mm -hmm. and those types of things as well.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: So important. I love that you gave us some strategies and some things like that. I'm going to pivot again around the topic of burnout because I feel like a lot of people are experiencing burnout because Mm -hmm. we're so busy Mm -hmm. that we're not taking time to pause or rest. Like we're just going. Mm -hmm. especially in the social media world regarding burnout as well. Could you share with us how lack of sleep contributes to burnout and what can be done to prioritize sleep and prevent burnout? Of course, I have my ideas, but I really want to hear yours too.
2: Yeah. So the biggest driver of burnout typically is just chronic stress and feeling like you're out of control. Like when it comes to your circumstances, like you feel like you don't necessarily have a say, you may feel lack of autonomy, especially if it's in the workplace. A lot of places we talk about workplace burnout, but nowadays everybody's burnt out, but stay at home moms are burnt out, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are burnt out, and it is really driven by the stress And you can think of it like a vicious cycle. When your stress level is high, that means your cortisol level, your stress hormones are high. That's the opposite direction you need it to be for you to sleep. So because of that, you don't get good sleep. Your sleep is not restorative. Your mind is churning about the things that you still have to do. And then because you'd had very fragmented sleep, all those things, poor sleep causes increase in inflammation. And so if you have inflammation, then you have more stress hormones that are high. And so you now have this vicious cycle. So, of course, I'm not just going to say, oh, you have burnout, go and sleep. We need to focus on what is driving this. Is it? Right. The lack, yeah. Is it the stress? Is it the lack of boundaries? Is mm-hmm. it the lack of flexibility when it comes to your work? Is it that? Yeah, you have burnt yourself out because you've made choices that have now made you completely sleep deprived. Yes, then we of course have to address. I would that. even
1: inter- interject balance. Like, how? Yeah. Are you balancing things? Are you taking some time out to do some sort of exercise? Yeah. Are you giving yourself natural breaks throughout your day? Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. types of things I think also affect burnout and can affect how you rest as well throughout the day.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, well, is,
1: that is when you go to sleep. I meant to say,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, no, that is that true. That lack of balance. We talk about the three pillars of health: so sleep, nutrition, and physical activity. So all those things need to be in balance. And then we have to look at life from the lens of, okay, how is this stealing my peace? How is this taking away from my rest, my ability to eat a nourishing meal? my ability to be physically active. And so I think it really does come down to what's the balance like? And many people are really out of alignment, out of balance. What are my values? Because sometimes also it might be that you're doing things or you're making choices that are completely not aligned with your values. And so that lack of fulfillment can contribute to burnout where you just don't feel like you're, maybe you're hitting your goals or you don't feel like you're living in alignment with your values. And that can also contribute to burnout. That can
1: contribute to burnout and depression. Yeah. It can be a lot. What would you I think some steps that I heard you say that people can do is reevaluate your boundaries, look at how you're spending your time, focus on balance. Yeah. And I'll say this too, especially for the high-achieving individual that successful ultra entrepreneurs you had mentioned before. Those people in those worlds, it's nothing wrong with delegation. That's so important.
2: That is one of my favorite words because I think one of the things I usually say is your sleep is a performance enhancing tool. It doesn't mean that you sleep and then now you're doing everything. That's not what it means. Sleep will help with your productivity, but it doesn't mean that now that you've slept, you can now do a hundred things. No. Sleep will help you make better, high quality decisions, including knowing what's within your scope of practice and what are things that you can delegate and also will help you to see the clarity that you can ask for help. So I think that's just really major when it comes to this journey towards healing from burnout to be able to say, okay, I'm not okay, and I don't have to be superwoman, which is a lot of the time what many high-achieving women have adopted, I can ask for help. I can take breaks. I can delegate so that what I'm left to do is really what I'm meant to be doing.
1: The other thing, too, is I think we need to let go of the mindset of how we might think we look to other people Mm -hmm. be on top of everything. Letting that go as a way to prevent burnout. So yes, I know we're talking about sleep, but see, these things help you go to sleep because you're learning ways to not hold on to all of these things. You sleep better when you know some other things are being taken care of and it's not on your plate, trusting that others are doing it for you as well.
2: That's, that is so true. That is so true because when you're able to let go, then you're able to sleep better.
1: Regarding women who often go through, we as women, we go through some hormonal changes with perimenopause. I know I'm experiencing that. It's not fun. It can impact their sleep patterns. Can you explain the relationship between sleep and perimenopause and provide some tips for managing the sleep disruptions that we may all be experiencing?
2: Yeah. So with perimenopause, we have a lot of hormonal changes changes in our estrogen, progesterone, all those things can affect our sleep. And so many times, there are few symptoms that are very common with women during that stage of life that really can affect their sleep. One is night sweats. So those hot flashes and night sweats are usually a big culprit when it comes to women waking up in the middle of the night or having a hard time falling asleep. Another thing is insomnia. Sometimes women tend to experience more of the mind racing and difficulties achieving restful sleep during that time. And then you might have other medical sleep disorders like obstructive sleep apnea. That's something that we can also see in women in during that stage. I would say just symptomatically, the best thing to do one is find what the symptoms are. If you're having a lot of hot flashes, and it's making you feel uncomfortable. Then you may need to get a fan. You, you have these cooling tops that you can just get from Amazon where you lay on top of your bed that actually- Right, that's feels so good. So you can get something like that. Some people use different like supplements, hops, valerian roots, and things like that. Some people feel it helps passion flower, all sorts of things out there. But I think the individual response is so variable that I wouldn't really hang my hat on that. I think it's really finding what makes you comfortable. And then, of course, if you have insomnia, then really seeing someone to help with that really is very helpful. If you have sleep apnea, making sure that that gets treated is very important. But overall, I think really creating healthy sleep habits. So I have an acronym that I use. And this is not just, I would say, only for women during perimonopause. This is for all women, all children. And the first is consistency. So create C-R-E-A-T-E. So consistency when it comes to your sleep time, your wake up time, having a routine. So, you know, a bedtime routine, something that calms you down before bed. A stands for aligning the bed for sleep and sleeping in bed. So you shouldn't really be in bed on your computer or watching TV or eating dinner. That should be separate. And then T stands for tackle technology. So things like screens before bed. You really want to avoid screen use about 30 to 60 minutes before bed. And then E stands for eliminate. So what are things that you are ingesting that you should... Probably try to avoid, it may be that you avoid late night coffee because it's right. a, it may be that you avoid alcohol because it's a sedative, but it wakes you up in the middle of the night. It may be heavy or spicy meals because they all can trigger reflux. So really figuring out what you need to eliminate is very important. So C R E H C E. I usually just use that because it's easy to remember and it's really very practical.
1: I love that acronym. So that's wonderful. So that acronym is CREATE, and it's so important. It's Mm. so important. When I'm working with high-performing individuals, a lot of times productivity is prioritized over sleep. Mm. A matter of fact, I've even been in some meetings in my prior lives as far as professions go, and they'll tell you, you do what you need to do to get it done. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So unhealthy... To say that to people, by the way, but anyway, but what would you say to those who feel like they can function on maybe an hour or two or sleep? And how would you suggest we educate and encourage individuals to prioritize sleep for better performance?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to just be aware that there are recommendations on how much sleep we to get. And these recommendations were based on thousands of people's data to really decide that adults need anywhere from seven to nine hours. And many times when people say they only need a couple of hours of sleep, sometimes they don't really have an understanding of how it's affecting them because they've been so sleep deprived. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing, like people are like, oh no, I only need five hours. And then maybe they go on vacation and then they realize, oh wow, I do need nine hours. So When you start to sleep well, when you start to increase your sleep, you then start to see the benefits. But many times people have become so used to not getting enough sleep that they think that's what the norm is. But that's not the norm. And so I would say with all we know around the science of how sleep deprivation affects our health, our mental health, our hearts, increased risk of diabetes, obesity, hypertension and things like that. We really can't afford not to sleep well. And especially as leaders, as people who are considered high achievers and things like that, that's just really something that we really need to use. Sleep is a tool that we can use in our leadership, in our ability to show empathy, and also in our ability to function the best way we can. So you really need to make that decision from a place of knowing why and how sleep is so beneficial, and then taking it from there.
1: I would also add to that and just say that we have to prioritize our health over productivity because if your health isn't prioritized, then you're not going to be able to be productive. And it's better to be on the front end of focusing on your health versus your body shutting down. And then you have no choice but to prioritize your health at that time. It's like, which is more important? And there's a phrase that I agree with that says, health is greater than wealth or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I agree Mm -hmm. with that because if you don't focus on your health, then how can you work on productivity and doing the things that are meaningful to you if your health Mm -hmm. isn't a priority? And Mm -hmm. sleep is, there's so much that happens when we are in restorative sleep. You can't Mm -hmm. afford not to sleep. When you think about to how Within restorative sleep, like when you have a cold, the first thing your primary care physician says is get some rest. So by all means, we need to take the time out and prioritize rest so that we can do the things that are important to us within our busy days. We've been talking about this throughout the podcast, but what are some other practical insights or habits that a person can implement to prioritize sleep? And ensure that they're getting enough rest.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about create how to create restful sleep habits. So I think that's a very important place to start. So important. I think the other things that you can do to help is things like watching what you eat. Right. right? So eating healthy foods, because when we do, that improves our sleep. And then also physical activity actually increases the quality of sleep we get. It decreases anxiety and stress. It improves our mood and it actually increases our deep sleep. So that's really something you should do. But just be wary about the timing of physical activity to make Mm -hmm. sure that if you're going to bed at 10 p.m., you don't want to work out too intensely within the one to two hours leading up to bedtime. So that would be one thing to be cautious about. And then the the final thing I would say is practicing mindfulness as part of your daily practice. And so whether that's meditation or prayers or journaling or anything of that sort, you can practice that because what that does is it does help you calm down and quiet that flight response so that you can get the sleep you need.
1: I would also say too, because a lot of times when we internalize things, it goes into our system. -hmm. And Dr. Brown, you did mention exercise, but you were saying not to do anything too strenuous. Mm -hmm. I often suggest to people to stretch because if you have tension in your body, if you're doing some stretching exercises, that helps to release some of the tension. So that way, when you rest, you can have a more restorative sleep. It's
2: really good. That's so true.
1: Are there any misconceptions or myths about sleep that you encounter frequently?
2: I would say the most common is the concept of I must sleep seven to nine hours. Okay. I would say even though that's the recommendation, it varies so much. So people will say, oh yeah, I need to get eight hours or else. And what it ends up causing is insomnia. I usually would say you can aim towards seven to nine, but sleep changes with age. It changes with your stage of life and it changes with everything else that's going on. So that's one common misconception. I think another common misconception is people saying things like they they need only four hours or five hours or they just don't need as much sleep. And then I think we already debunked that myth where we talked about the the recommendations are there. Like you might be able to get away with a little bit of sleep here and there, but not making it something that's chronic is important. I agree. Yeah. And then maybe Something around This is a funny one. People usually will say, oh, all you need for your sleep, if you're having a hard time sleeping, is a glass of warm milk. Now, that's not completely true, especially if you have sleep issues. There's no amount of warm milk that's going to help. But if your milk contains what we call tryptophan, which can actually help you with sleep. But if you have an underlying sleep problem, you need to address it, not try to cover it up with either melatonin or milk or things like that. So those are just a few of the misconceptions. There are quite a number out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can you share a story about someone maybe you've worked with and how their life has changed from getting restorative
2: sleep? Yeah. Yeah. I had a client who was extremely busy, very successful, had her own business, so had zero boundaries, right? That's the problem with, I guess it's a blessing, but also could be an issue. When you have your own company, your day never ends. So this was exactly what she was doing. She was working 24-7 and she started losing her hair. Wow. She had major hair loss. And that was very interesting because I've not necessarily seen that. But we found out it was because of stress. Mm -hmm. As well as poor sleep. And so that was what we worked on. So we worked on boundaries. We worked on making sure that she went to bed at the right time and all of that. And over time the hello stopped. Once she was great, really work on her sleep and just seeing that. And over time it's it's just so much better. It's growing now and she's doing a lot better. So I think that's one success story.
1: That sounds like a great success story. (laughs) Now, most of the individuals I've worked with in the past that have had some challenges with hair loss, it was around trauma, Hmm. dealing with an issue of trauma or anxiety tied to a trauma. Hmm. You get where I'm coming from. So this is the first time I've heard of someone that has their own business experiencing Hair loss, so she must have been in extreme
2: yeah. state
1: of fight or flight alert.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which many of the women we work with are sometimes it's really taking a toll. They take action, which really we don't want that. We don't want it. You to, to get to the point where you're completely burnt out before you make the right decision.
1: Absolutely, it's so important. I want to thank you for coming onto the show, mm-hmm. Doctor Brown. You have given a wealth of information. And it is so appreciated. I know our listeners are going to really have learned a lot. I know I've gained some information as well. Where can they find more information about you and your work in sleep medicine?
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So my website is a good place to start. It's restfulsleepmd.com. And if you go on there, we talked a little bit about the racing mind. I actually provided a resource titled Five Ways to Curb Your Racing Mind at Bedtime. So you can actually grab that. It's a downloadable PDF where you can start right now from like dealing with racing mind. And then I'm also on social media on Instagram as RestfulSleepMD. I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Funke Brown. So those are ways to find me. And then if you're in California, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania, and you're in need of a pediatric sleep specialist, like someone who specializes in sleeping children and young adults, then you can also schedule an appointment with me on my website. That's restfulsleepmd.com.
1: So I'm in Maryland. So do you see people in Maryland?
2: If they are located in Pennsylvania or New Jersey.
1: Okay. So Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. New Jersey. Pennsylvania and California. Okay. Okay. And I'll make sure to add that to the show notes as well. Audience, we want to thank you all for joining us today. We hope that this is another piece or a slice of the pie that will assist you within your healing journey. And we wish you all a good night's sleep. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll subscribe so we can keep the conversation going. Now go move forward in your healing journey.